In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Due to the virus that is ravaging our country and our state and our city right now, we have decided to suspend in-person worship for now. And if the circumstances show that it would be safe for us to reopen, we have plans and are prepared to do that. Yesterday, we released a Prayer for Our Country bonus episode of the podcast uh, in celebration of Independence Day. The book of 1 Timothy tells us to pray for our leaders uh, and for those who are, are in power in our land. Uh, and so that's what we, we did yesterday uh, in that bonus issue of the podcast. So if you want to look for that, it should be anywhere that you usually listen to podcasts. Also, a note about the podcast. We've been, last month we started doing a monthly music podcast uh, from our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, uh, as well as uh, church vocalist Larry Crownover. But due to a recent injury that Melissa has suffered, uh, as she's recovering from that, we are going to uh, delay the release of the June music podcast uh, because it has affected her shoulder and ability to play uh, the keyboard so much. We are grateful that we can worship together. We are grateful that we do not have to uh, hide or, or meet secretly, and that in times like these, that we have the ability through technology, through innovation, uh, to continue to proclaim God's word and worship together even though we are in our own separate homes. It's not ideal. It's not how we imagined this summer would be. But at the same time, the Lord works in even the most desperate of circumstances. And so I pray that as we worship together today, uh, that you would be encouraged and uplifted in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trading my pain I'm laying 
for the joy of the Lord. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you to worship you this Sunday morning. We acknowledge that you are Lord of all and that you are sovereign of all that you have control of all that happens in this earth. Yesterday, Lord, was an American holiday, a day that we celebrate our independence. A group of colonists got together and they decided that they did not want to be under the tyranny of another government. They wanted to be able to set up their own form of government. And that became known as the Declaration of Independence. A declaration that was based on biblical foundation. And Lord, over the 244 years it's been in existence, you have blessed this country immensely. But there are some throughout the country who say that we don't need to have God as part of our nation anymore. And there have been efforts to remove God from everything. Lord, we as Christians, I ask that we pray for those who are in in control of us, our leaders. And I pray that the decisions that they make are the ones best for the people that they were elected to serve. And I pray that we do address injustices that are in this country. And I pray also that we show love, the love that Jesus showed too people that he was around when he was here on earth. And Lord, help us never to take for granted those rights that are in our Constitution. Lord, I pray for those in our congregation who are ill. I pray especially for Willie who has been through much sickness recently. Be with him as he goes into surgery to have his hip uh, repaired. And then we'll go into a rehab unit after that. I pray for others in our congregation who are not feeling well, who are ill. Those who are having treatments for cancer. And I ask that you be with them during these difficult times in their trials that they have. 
And Lord, I pray for our young church. I pray for Melissa and for Ashley and Sherry as they lead that group. And Lord, I lift up the prayer requests that each of the young people have. Pray with Melissa during this time as she is rehabbing from an injury. We know that you are the healer, Lord, and we know that you will heal her. Lord, I thank you for this church and the programs in this church. Thank you for each member of this congregation and help us to also reach out to those who are in their homes, who are discouraged, and that we can give them a word of encouragement. And Lord, I thank you for our HOPE program. I'm glad that we were able to meet the needs of those who are hungry. And Lord, I pray for the direction in which you are going to lead us in the future. And I ask that the Holy Spirit be a part of that. And we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we carry out what it is that you would have us to do. And Lord, I bless you for, uh, and I ask you to bless our podcast as we continue to record it. And be with our pastor as he brings us the words of encouragement. And as this podcast goes out over the electronic soundways, that each and every one who listens to it will be truly blessed by it. And in your precious name I pray, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters, to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees of seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. 
God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruits, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of heavens, and the earth, and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his creation. I want to give you three images today to ponder. The first is to imagine a a painter, and maybe it's a house painter, somebody who comes and paints the outside or inside of your house. Uh, But it could also be an artistic painter like Vincent van Gogh and Bob Ross and all of the great masters like that. Uh, And I want you to imagine that they're doing their work and they're, they're, you know, painting, whether it's your house or a canvas, and they're making beautiful scenes, whether it's of nature or people or happy little trees. And... They'll, they'll, make, they'll do some work, they'll, they'll put some paint on, and they'll spread it out, and they'll make it look like things, and then they'll stand back, and maybe they'll add something else, but at one point they stand back, and they say, 
That's it. This is good. I want you to have another image. <clears throat> Our second image is you're watching the Women's World Cup and the United States women na women's national team is playing soccer and it is coming down into the last moments of the match and they're holding on to a one to nothing lead and it's the closing moments of the championship match and all they have to do is wait until the referee blows the whistle to celebrate their victory. And they don't keep looking up at the clock and say, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's time, we should be stopping, we're just gonna walk off the field. They keep playing until the referee blows the whistle and then they're done and they celebrate. Image number three, you have gone to see an orchestra play uh, a symphony by you know, Mozart or Beethoven or Bach or uh, Gustav Mahler, and you, you are listening to the final moments of this, this magnificent piece of music being played by masterful musicians, and it's, it's coming to a rapturous ending, and everybody's participating, and the conductor is, is leading the orchestra. And finally, he brings the orchestra to a close. And he keeps his hands up, and the mu musicians are at the ready, even though they've played the last note. And then the conductor lowers his arms, and the musicians lower their instruments, and the crowd erupts in applause. Those three images are earthly approximations of what we see towards the end of the Genesis creation account. God has spent these different periods creating, and on each different day, he does something different. And finally, he creates humanity. He, in the middle of this creation that he has put together, you know, stars and moons and, and planets and um, beaches and trees and Mount Hood and all of the good things that are around us, and then he puts humanity in it. He puts his image in it. His representatives within creation. And he does this, and he says it is, gives them instru some instructions, and he looks back on it and says, it is very good. When we see this, we a lot of times call this the end of the creation narrative. Because that's the end of chapter one. The seventh day is in chapter 2. And I'm not 100% sure why that is. I've never done the research. I've asked a few times and have received uh, immensely unsatisfying answers. But the seventh day is in chapter 2. The day of rest is in chapter 2 because God does all of this and he, he brings all of his creation to a magnificent close by blessing it all. 
all of his creating, and then he rests, and he appreciates it. Like a painter who has just put his last touch on canvas, like the soccer team that has just won the championship, like the orchestra who has just finished playing a magnificently written piece of music, he rests. We also forget sometimes that this creation story was not meant for us to argue about whether it's literal or figurative or whether it's you know, six 24-hour days or six periods of time. The point of this creation story was, because, was that God creates in order and he creates and calls things good because all of the creation stories that were being written around the same time treated humanity as slaves and creation came from either evil deeds perpetrated by the gods, from vengeful family conflicts, from really kind of repulsive ways that doesn't treat humanity very well. Humanity ends up slaves. They end up the accident of everything. And what Genesis chapter 1 sets out to do is to display and, and portray an orderly means of creation where everything is created and blessed and put in its proper place as opposed to the chaos that people saw in other stories. Because if you, if you have a good creator who makes a good creation and it's in an orderly way, and then the creator rests after blessing everything and saying that it is very good, then you live your life one way and you believe certain things about creation and humanity and, and the goodness of the world that we live in. But if you believe that it was all an accident, that humanity was created to be slaves of, of divine beings, that it was created out of war and violence and hatred, then you're going to live your life a different way. And I think our creation testifies to the goodness of God because of rest. The whole story reaches its climax, and God rests. And again, we forget this because it's, it's in chapter 2. But we also forget it because we have a problem with rest, don't we? Back in February, uh, if anybody can remember what February is, um, because it seems like that was about seven years ago. Uh, back in February, we explored the ways of Jesus. And one of the ways of Jesus was the way of rest, because Jesus was present for this creative moment. And we talked about our problems with work and overwork, and that we neglect rest. but we so desperately need it. And we need it now, maybe more than ever. 
Because since the pandemic and since stay-at-home orders and, and since a lot of offices have been encouraged to, office workers have been encouraged to work remotely, your work is now at home, and home used to be the place where you rest, and now you work in the place that you rest. And I get this feeling that as, as time goes on, companies are going to start pushing their employees to blur the lines between work and rest. I don't know. That's just what I kind of see happening because we have an unhealthy relationship with rest. And we rebel against rest. Sometimes we take pride in working during periods of rest. We'll say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll make it sound. We'll make it sound good like, Oh, you know, I was supposed to have the whole weekend off, but I worked right through it. And, you know, what, do, do you want a cookie? You know, it was time that you were supposed to rest. Why didn't you rest? But by the same token, sometimes people are pushed to work through, are given such a tremendous workload that they can't rest on the weekends, that they have to do other things on the weekends or during rest periods. We have a terribly unhealthy theology of rest. But this day of rest that God took at the end of creation should not be something that as followers of Jesus we brush aside lightly. It reverberates throughout Scripture. When the slaves were freed from Egypt, when the Israelites were delivered from Pharaoh by God's mighty hand and outstretched arm, they celebrated the day of rest. The Ten Commandments include the command to remember this day that God rested and to keep it holy, to set aside time for rest. In the book of Leviticus, the seventh year out of every set of seven years is supposed to be a day of freedom, and the, the 50th year out of every seven sets of years is a year of great freedom. It's a year of jubilee where the land rests and the people rest, and if you had to uh, sell yourself into slavery for some reason, you get that back. You get yourself back. You get your land back. It was rest for people and rest for the land. One of the prophetic rebukes of the, the prophets was that the, the poor were so neglected and overworked that they didn't have time for rest. And Jesus gets in several arguments about what, with the Pharisees about what ought to be done on the Sabbath. This idea of rest is important or it wouldn't keep showing up in Scripture. And as followers of Jesus, one of the redemptive things that we can do for the world and ourselves is reclaim a practice of rest. Rest defined would be a recognition of the end of our labors 
and beginning a time of recovery and reordering for our lives. So we recognize that our labors end, that we can only do so much. We are only so many people. I'm only one person, or as a group, we're only so many people, and there are only so many things that one person or one group of people can do. And it's to recognize when we've hit that limit and to set a limit for that and begin a time when we can reorder our lives. It's no accident that when we go to sleep and in in our time of sleep, our brain reshuffles everything that's happened in our day and puts it back in the right order. Because as we go through our day, especially if we've packed our day with too much too many things, too much activity, everything just kind of gets tossed around and gets put out of joint. Our brain in sleep puts that back together. And so this is what happens in rest, is we have the opportunity to reorganize and reorder our lives and recover that which has been lost. And as followers of Jesus, rest is an invitation to reorder our lives around God's priorities and time. Rest is an invitation to God's presence. To rest is to be present with God, whether we realize it or not. Because in the act of resting, we are emulating God. We're doing what God did after he called an end to his labors. Now, not to say that God goes, I'm going to clock out. You guys are on your own. See you on Monday. This is, this is not what God does. Uh, God is not a terrible character in a sitcom. When we say that God rests, we are testifying to the power of God and the presence of God. Because God is so powerful that he can maintain everything and simultaneously rest. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who we see being so mighty that he has created and he sustains and he rests so he can appreciate what he's created. So when we rest, we're emulating God. We're being like God in our rest. So if you turn that around, if we don't rest, then what time are we taking to be present with God? What time are we taking to allow God's presence and goodness to be near to us? This is what rest offers for God in in regards to our relationship with God's presence. If we just take this time to stop, we can be present with God and God can be present with us because God wants to be present with us. Otherwise, again, 
this example wouldn't be here in Scripture. Rest is an invitation to appreciation. We know, going back to our three images, we know really great paintings because they're done by hand and they take time and they take care. And you, you know that this is not the work of somebody who is just slapping paint wildly on canvas and then moving on to the next one so they can slap paint wildly on canvas. When Bob Ross would do his, uh, was doing his show, I'm a fan of Bob Ross. There, I said it. When he was doing his show, he would do three versions of every painting. He would do one for practice and, and preparation. He would do the one that he did on TV, and then he would do another one where he would redo the painting, but with the things that he, fixing the things that he didn't like for the first two, but that was it. Once he was done with those three paintings, he didn't just say, well, on to the next one. He was satisfied, and he could appreciate what he had created. When we rest, we can appreciate the good things in our lives. If you've got a sour attitude about life, that could be part of bad life experiences, and I'm not going to write that off. But have you considered that if you've got a really negative attitude about life, you haven't taken the opportunity to rest? When we rest, we start to be able to appreciate the good things that God has given us. We start to appreciate the beauty of the world around us. We start to appreciate the beauty of the people that we love and care about. Because we're able to rest, and in appreciating, we're following the example of God. We're behaving like God did when he rested and appreciated what he had created. Rest is an invitation to wholeness. The word shalom is a Hebrew word that means peace in every possible way. It's peace with God. It's peace with humanity. It's peace with other people. It's peace with ourselves. We can't have shalom without rest. Because rest allows us to have peace with ourselves. Rest allows us to have peace with God. And sometimes you just get so fed up with other people that you need a rest from other people. And sometimes you need rest with other people if you've spent too much time away from other people. Rest allows us to live whole lives because it doesn't just define us as work and workers. It defines us as the beloved children of God who have been beautifully and wonderfully and lovingly created. 
And God wants us to be whole. God wants us to be complete, to experience shalom. And God sets that example by resting. There are ways our world, however, is broken that does not allow rest for people. There are circumstances and systems in our world that are unjust. And there are people who have to work multiple jobs to be able to pay rent, to be able to pay bills. And when you're working 80 hours a week, you don't get time for rest. There are people who have made poor life decisions. And as a result, they've ended up in situations where they don't get rest. But if we as followers of Jesus believe that rest is vital, we do what we can to rest in whatever way we are able to And we do what we can to help others rest. And if you're in one of those situations where your your margins for rest are thin, if you're a parent and your time of rest is a, a time alone in the toilet, that's okay. We see you, you are seen and you are loved, and you are still blessed by God. If you are one of those people who work 80 hours a week, you are seen, you are loved, and you are blessed by God. Because we do live in a broken world with broken systems, and sometimes we don't have all of the opportunities that we need to rest well. But consider that rest can be as simple as taking a few deep breaths. And as you breathe, say the name of Jesus. Rest can be something as simple as setting apart time and asking for that time to be your own. Rest can be something as simple as appreciating the sunset as you drive home from work. But if we're followers of Jesus and we have an abundance of rest time, if we have the opportunity to rest regularly and we even have extra opportunities to rest, how might we give the gift of rest to somebody else? I'm not saying give away all of your rest time. Because as they tell you on the airplane, put, put your own mask on first. And this is one of those situations. You can't give to somebody else if you have nothing to give. But if you have so much rest time, you don't know what to do with it. Who do you know in your church, in your neighborhood, 
in your family that you could bless with the gift of rest? Is there somebody with young kids who could just use a responsible adult to watch their children while they go take a nap? That might be something that you can offer if you're a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or a trusted friend. Is there somebody who has a lot on their plate and doesn't have time to mow their yard or would use their rest time to mow their yard? That's a gift that you could offer somebody. Rest is so vital to who we are as people who are created in the image of God. Because if we're created in the image of God and God rests, then we need to rest too. And if we can bless people with rest, this is a wonderful thing. Consider those three images one more time. The painter admiring his painting. Consider the soccer team who's just won the championship after the final whistle. Consider the orchestra whose conductor has just lowered his hands. In all of those circumstances, they take the opportunity to celebrate what has happened. God took the opportunity to celebrate creation, to celebrate humanity. How do we need to join God in the celebration through rest? That's a question that we all need to answer through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey!
to the time of the Lord's table. And if you are listening to this before 11:30 a.m. Pacific time on the 5th of July 2020, we do have a Zoom communion as part of our coffee hour on Sunday mornings. The link is in your Friday email, but if you did not get the Friday email and would like to join us, send a message to baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll be happy to forward you the Zoom information so that you can join us for communion. If for whatever reason you are unable to join us on Zoom or you're listening to this at a different time than Sunday morning, July the 5th, then we do have a communion service for you now. And so if you're going to join us on the Zoom, you can hold off until then. Otherwise, join us at the Lord's table. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more, you who have been here often, and you who have not been for a long time, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed, come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this we proclaim to you a mystery. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing, so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now, made one in Christ and one with each other, We offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Jesus himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in remembrance of the broken body of our Lord on the cross, take and eat this bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is my new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. 
And so remembering the covenant that Jesus sealed on the cross and looking forward to the time when we will take this cup with Jesus in the new kingdom, take and drink. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget, the homeless and destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for worship today. Um, We pray that as we have sung songs together, as we have prayed together, as we have heard God's word read and proclaimed together, that we wouldn't think of ourselves as being apart, but being together and united by the Holy Spirit. If there's any way we can lift you up or encourage you, uh, please get in touch with the church. Uh, We would love to to get in touch with you and pray and, and just listen to you. We, we serve a Jesus who is close to the lonely and the brokenhearted, uh, and we want to be close to the lonely and the brokenhearted as well. We'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of uh, Worship and Youth, for her voice today. We'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for his prayer this morning. We'd like to thank Katie Witham for joining with Melissa and Gary in a creative scripture reading. We'd like to thank Gary Hunley, our sound engineer, uh, for also helping out with the scripture reading, and for Gary and his wife Doreen for being our audio engineers for this morning. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.